This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. Oh, is my voice nice and sonorous? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got my uh, little cup of espresso. <laughs> and let me put my notes up. <laughs> my notes. I have like four notes. Yeah. <laughs> I had. I'm kicking myself because there was one. I had a. Um, I had a character sacrifice himself, and I was I was like writing another one, and I got distracted by something, and I forgot what the one that I had, and it was great, and I can't remember it. So. Did you hate that? And here's the thing: is you can probably think of a million of them if you weren't on the spot to have to think about them for a podcast, right? Yeah. And I right. thought I was doing good until until uh, John put on the on the on the page for people to give their suggestions, and everything people were putting up was on my list. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, that's on my list." <laughs> well, that just, right. that just means you're right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. This should probably be uh, on the show somehow, right? Put it in as the extra. Yeah, yeah. If you're recording, I use yeah. everything. <laughs> I use everything yeah. I can. <laughs> that I know. You need to edit me a little bit better. I sound like an ass on your show. Ah, uh, no, you don't. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. I don't know. I just every false start. That was uh, a running joke with uh, 112263. The guy Juan who had to edit me hated me because I would start a sentence and I would go on and say, wait a minute, I want to back that up and start over again. So he would be editing and he, he doesn't know because he hasn't he's not there in the moment and he thinks I'm on a tear. And then I said, no, no, go back to this point. And he's just like, then why did I spend all this time editing this? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to see, this I, day, he expresses his disdain for me. <laughs> I can see that, but this is a different kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we, start, when we started the show, I would, I would edit everything very studiously, if that's the right word. And, uh, and now I just kind of put bed music on it and go. <laughs> busy dude. Busy dude, you know? Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and start. Hello, this is Will Wheaton. Yes, that Will Wheaton. No, no, the other, the other Will Wheaton. You are the worst. You're listening to Cosmic Potato. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I was thinking earlier, let me ask you guys a question. When a cowboy rides off into the sunset, doesn't he have to make camp just a few minutes later so he should just wait until the next morning to leave? (laughs) Yes. I think it all depends on what what kind of beans is he packing. That's right. what I want. Got to get yeah. to those beans. If you know they're good beans, then yeah. If, you know, <laughs> if they're pinto beans, then maybe he just keeps riding. I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that knows that there's a big difference between watching Inside Out and going to the Upside Down. John Iron, are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and our guests tonight are a couple of guys that are no stranger to the network from the World War G podcast that can be heard 
every week right here on on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. Mr. Troy Wood, how are you? I'm doing all right. And author, journalist, and sometimes podcaster, Mr. Christopher DeFilippis. How you doing, sir? Hi, Sean. Great. Great to be here. Uh, tonight we're going to be doing another best in show episode. We did one of these a few weeks ago, and uh, we're just gonna, we're going to we're going to talk about the movies and uh, and TV shows that just got one thing absolutely right. Uh, we're going to get into that in a few minutes, and we'll talk more about the about the details of that. But first, I want to do five random facts. And I'm going to go to our friends at mentalfloss.com and their amazing fact generator and read fact number one. Mexico's full name translates to the United States of Mexico. I did not know that. <laughs> that is an interesting so what, so what is that? What do you mean, what is that? Huh? I mean, what, what, like, obviously it's more than just Mexico. It's like Estados Unidos de Mexico. <laughs> I don't know Spanish, man. I think John, John read my mind, though. It really is, because I've never heard it referred to anything but Mexico, or when you watch Danger Mouse, Mexico. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where, where this full name comes from. Yeah, I've think, never I heard it before, but yeah, they may have I just think, made that up. Like, <laughs> I think they're full of pinto beans. <laughs> uh, fact number two, the, the dot over your lowercase i is called a tittle. I knew that. A I knew that too. Is it? Are also, we going to get an? Is it also called e-rating? a tittle if it's if it's if it's over a lowercase <laughs> J as well? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm the only one that didn't know that. I I did not know that. No. Okay, John, let's put it this John way. John Troyer smarter when, than I am. <laughs> when you say the word tittle, I don't think about the dot over an I. That's right. What I'm me either. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I'm thinking of, but <laughs> fact number three: the second largest country by area. Is Canada after Russia by area? Yeah. That yeah, makes, makes sense. sense. Yes, I want to skip the ad. Thank you, Mental Floss. Uh, fact number four: <laughs> uh, Plants have a way of communicating with each other. The scent of freshly cut grass is equivalent to a cry for help. I've heard that one too. So when you smell but, freshly cut gla- grass and you say, "Oh God, that smells really good," you're smelling murder. <laughs> So you're saying murder is one of my chief pleasures in life. Right. I can live with that. <laughs> and fact number five, Stalin plotted to kill John Wayne. Really? Yeah. That's what it says. <laughs> it doesn't put anything on here telling me where they get their sources, but... <laughs> According to uh, another show I know, of Captain Game Show, John Wayne is from, was it Indiana? Uh, Iowa. Oh, you won that one, didn't you? I did. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> maybe, maybe Stalin thought John Wayne's movies were like documentaries. American. So he's like, oh no, we need to, we need to stop this guy. Yeah. I would actually like to see that screenplay, the Stalin. Stalin Christ. versus John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the, what was the uh, Sam Rockwell movie where he was the game show host and he was an actual uh, like an, and a spy. Oh yeah, because he was playing. Um, the, he's playing the actual. Uh, what's he's, his, what's he's his supposed name? to be Chuck Farris, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Gong Show. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's yeah, but that wasn't the name of the movie. Season. No, that wasn't the name of the movie. I can't remember the yeah. name of the movie, but it, yeah, yeah, I think it was directed by George Clooney, if I'm not mistaken. But it was uh, early yeah. effort by George Clooney. Yes. Yeah. All right. I have three 
uh, news stories that stood out this week that I wanted to briefly touch on before we get into our main topic. First of all, Stephen Hawking passed away this week. Actually passed away yesterday, kind of the day before, because it was in England and they're ahead of us. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about his accomplishments because it would just make me sound really stupid because <laughs> I don't understand most of it. But in a nutshell... Uh, Stephen Hawking was a uh, theoretical physicist who did a lot of work in the field of uh, black hole theory. He's the one that theorized that black holes emit radiation, which is now called Hawking radiation. And he was a very, very smart man. And uh, he'll be remembered along with Newton and Einstein for generations. He was also on an episode of The Next Generation <laughs> and several episodes of The Big Bang Theory. Uh, what do, you, do you guys have anything you want to say about uh, Stephen Hawking? I will just, as an addendum to what you just said, apparently he's the only person um, in the history of Star Trek to ever play himself on the is show. Is that true? Is that true? That's pr- that probably is true, yeah. Yeah. And I just felt profoundly sad, like the world just got a whole lot dumber. But yeah. I always admired the guy, not only for his accomplishments, but he had such a great sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the IQ level of the Earth went down a peg <laughs> when he yes. passed, that's for sure. And uh, he was the subject of a film... The theory of everything that I have yet to see, but I know it racked up a few Oscars last year. Yeah, don't don't bother. It's it's oh really? It's Oscar it good? It's yeah. It's well, if you care about Stephen Hawking and his journey into ALS and want like a mainstream take on that that almost completely sidelines his scientific accomplishments, yeah. then you'll love this. It, it, it's it's a movie for your mom. It's not a movie for a geek. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can I can see where they wouldn't want to um, harp too much on his scientific accomplishments, be just because the mainstream audience is not going to understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But uh, the 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 book that he wrote, what was the name of the book? I mean, I know he wrote several books. The one that a that, brief that made history the, of time. Yeah. Now, see, I've never seen that documentary. Is that worth watching? I haven't seen it. You either, haven't seen so. it either. Okay. <laughs> well, so I would take that as a no. <laughs> I, it's just, it's one of those documentaries that when I was when I was younger, it would be right there on the shelf at Blockbuster every single time I went in, and I would think, oh, that looks interesting. But you know, here's an earnest movie. I don't watch that instead. You know. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he suffered most of his life from uh, ALS, and he was confined to a wheelchair and. Had to use a voice machine to talk. But he was 76 years old. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was in his early 60s, maybe. Um, but that's right along that age where it's he wasn't really old, but he wasn't really young either. So, uh, But yeah, rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. Um, another story that I had, the rumors are true. When Disney launches their subscription streaming service, I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, uh, they will have a live-action TV series set in the Star Wars universe. And um, that's not really a surprise, because I kind of figured they were going to do that, because that's how CBS got so many subscribers. You know, they did a Star Trek series. But the news came out in the last week or so that John Favreau is going to be the executive producer and writer of the series. Um, you know, Favreau has kind of joined the ranks of Ron Howard, where he used to be an actor and he and he did a few things that people liked. He was in Swingers, which is a, a good movie. He was in Very Bad Things, which is a great movie, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but now he's kind he's kind of known more for what he does behind the camera. You know, he, yeah. he, he, he go ahead, Troy. I'm sorry. 
well, we I was just gonna say we we talked about it on uh, on my podcast on on World War G that he has done more behind the scenes than he ever did in front of. Like he was pretty much responsible for crafting the popularity of the MCU with the casting yeah. of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. He was instrumental in that. Yeah, and you know he wasn't he was not very happy about the idea of creating the MCU. You know, he 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 did Iron Man and he did Iron yeah. Man 2. But he wasn't crazy about having all these heroes in the same film because he said, "Well, Iron Man is kind of tech-based and I wouldn't really want him to take place in the same universe as magic and aliens and stuff like that." But Marvel was like, too bad, so sad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we like we like money. <laughs> yeah, but when you invoke his name in the same breath as Ron Howard, I think you do Ron Howard a great injustice. I oh, think I, John, I know. Yeah, yeah. Ron Howard spent the last thirty years crafting an ovure of uh, you know behind the camera being a director, trying to be a visionary in everything he does. I think John Favreau just got lucky that Robert Downey hit in a third string <laughs> Marvel character movie. That just well, he, happened to, to to become a phenomenon. He's starting to do some 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 new things, you know. Like he did Jungle Book. He's doing uh, Lion King now, and the, uh, Jungle Book was a was a pretty good movie, and it was it was different than some of the things I've seen before because all the animal, you know, it had kind of a mixture of using real animals and using some CGI and all that kind of stuff. He used a lot of CGI, but the only actor in the entire movie was one little boy, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> And then he's like I said, he's going to do the Lion King. But so he he's a good director, and I, I think he's probably a good fit for uh, doing a Star Wars TV show. And I'm really interested in seeing what that show is going to entail because I know it's not going to be a show based on the saga. It's just going to take place in the universe. You know, I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, let's see if it's a prequel and we get the level of fan hate that Discovery got. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it will. <laughs> And I'm sure no matter what happens, it'll, there'll be a significant amount of fan hate. Yeah, isn't well, that just a sad the reality we live in right now? <laughs> I mean, I mean the last the last Jedi got a lot of a lot of fan hate. You know, I, I said on this show, I enjoyed that movie. You know, yeah, it, had, it, had, it had its problems, but you know what what film that comes out is going to be 100. percent I love that movie, and I didn't dislike a single thing about it. I just and yeah, I found myself in a surreal position uh, when Jedi came out because I do a radio show here locally and we did the review show and I was probably the least, you know, uh, ardent star Wars fan in the room and I was defending the movie most. And it's just so bizarre. I didn't that, like yeah. Well, they, they just had specific problems, I guess, because I always like to say, I don't really have a dog in that fight to me. Star Wars is just star Wars. So I can enjoy the movie for what it presents on the screen in the moment where they come to it as huge fans with tons of expectations. Well, how is that going to translate? You're never going to meet the expectations that you have as a fan because it's it it, it doesn't exist. It, it's, it's, it's just an ideal. It's an ideal. It's not reality. So without that bogging me down, I found I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, and I found myself being able to set some of that aside the older that I get because when uh, – Episode one came out. I was pumped, <laughs> you know, and that was such a big letdown for what I was expecting and what I got. Um, but as as I've you know gotten older and my I'm I'm forty now, but you know in the last five or six years, I've noticed that 
I don't get as excited for movies before they come out as I used to. I just kind of, well, when it comes out, I'll go see it. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's movies that I see the preview and I'm like, I'm going to see that film. But you know, I'm not like I used to buy all the ma- every magazine that came out that had a picture of it in it. I would <laughs> I would buy it. Yeah, you know? I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. But um, the last news story that I have is that an announcement came out this week. That they are going to make a sixth film in the Die Hard franchise. <laughs> now, now anyone Yay. that listens to, <laughs> listens to this show will know that I love, love, love Die Hard, especially the first three films. The problem that came <clears throat> after uh, the third one is that those films are were not written to be Die Hard sequels. Live Free or Die Hard and A Good Day to Die Hard, aside from both having stupid titles, <laughs> were, were both films that were written to be their own thing, and they kind of languished in development hell for so long that somebody finally decided to retool them and put John McClane into the story and have Bruce Willis yell yippee and there you go. And uh, the last one went through so many changes that they actually turned the villain into a hero and create another villain so that they could work McLean into the script. Because in, in A Good Day to Die Hard, have you guys seen A Good Day to Die Hard? No. No. Was that, okay. <laughs> was that the one with his son? That was the one with his son. And Ma- Maggie Q? Yeah. And in the original... I, I saw it and I barely remember it. Well, no, Maggie Q was in uh, the the one before that. Um, Which was the one with the Apple the Apple Kid? That was the one that was, before that. That was a yeah, li- that was Live Free to Die Hard. That, die and hard Maggie four. Q was in that one. Yeah. The fifth right, one. Yeah, so yeah, they run together. I didn't mind uh, Live Free Die Hard. I thought that that was enjoyable, but it's not. I think you got to realize you're not watching McLean anymore. It's just Bruce Willis playing generic action hero Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing with that particular film was that they were going the character that his son was playing when in the original script he was going to be a bad guy, but then when they put Bruce Willis in it, and they said, well, let's change him to a good guy, and we'll put another villain in it, so that we don't have to have Bruce Willis fighting his son, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. So, he, the original plan was his son would be a bad guy? Yes. Yes, he was going, he was going to have to face off against his son, and then they decided that that was a bad idea. So, it, it just changed so much that it just, it turned into something else, but, um, so the new one, go, go ahead. Uh, would you happen to know how many um, – there, there's there's five diehards? Yes. How many porn versions? <laughs> is there, is there, 27. Well, let's see. I, I have 14 of them. Troy sounded pretty show. authoritative about that. I think it's, it's 27, 27. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the new film is going – supposedly, this is the, the, the plan at this point – is that it's going to have Willis playing McLean, but they're also going to have a side story, which is a flashback to the 70s, showing him as a young man, and he's like a regular beat cop in like his first adventure or something. So, I don't know. We'll see. Oh. It, it sounds more like Die Hard the series to me. But, <laughs> but I do have some trivia for you guys. Uh, did you know that the role Bruce Willis played in the original Die Hard was originally offered to a 72-year-old Frank Sinatra. No. <laughs> what? This is the, I'm telling the truth. And this how, is how How does that work? I mean, yeah, this is how it works. Uh <laughs> the script for Die Hard, the original 
1988 film was based on a novel that came out in 1979 called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. That novel was a sequel to a novel that he had released back in 1966 called The Detective. The Detective was made into a film in 1968 starring Frank Sinatra. So when the script for Nothing Lasts Forever, that script had the same character from The Detective, but now he's an older and retired detective, and he's in a building where his daughter works, and it's taken over by terrorists, and he has to take them out one by one. And the main the main difference being that his daughter actually gets killed, and they were they they ended up replacing the daughter with the wife. Uh, so not when Sinatra did the detective, his contract said that if they ever filmed a sequel to the movie, they had to offer him the role first. So he probably wasn't expecting that oh. he'd be in his seventies when they offered it to him. <laughs> so that legally, is... they had to offer it to him, and of course <laughs> he turned it down. And the script was rewritten to have a, a younger lead, and they renamed it Die Hard and everything. So. So yeah, the, the next time you're watching Die Hard and you see Bruce Willis smash through the window swinging on a fire hose, imagine old Blue Eyes doing that when he was 72. <laughs> because <laughs> that, that mind that, blowing, man. Yeah, that scene was in both scripts. They were going to do that with Frank Sinatra. Be <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So. Do you think maybe Die Hard would not have been over the top if they were trying not to dissuade a 75-year-old Frank Sinatra from taking the role? Right. Maybe Frank yeah. Sinatra inadvertently made Die Hard the legend that it is. Right, yeah. I mean, because if he's, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, I wonder if the film would have ever actually been made, because probably when they asked him, they expected him to say no, and he says yes, oh, okay. <laughs> how, how do we get him off the project? Yeah. We, we have to do something. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. All right. Best in show. We have three categories. Uh, John, what are our three categories? Oh, I didn't know you were going to swing to me. All right. <laughs> uh, hang on. Let me put my notes. First, um, we have best shootout. Um, second, we have character knowingly sacrificing their life for someone else. And... Our last category is a scene where someone slash everyone has to be extra quiet or careful. Um, and I would say that um, these can be brought from any media. So TV, movie, book, video game, any, any popular well-known tale is, um, is um, available to be accessed for this category, for these uh competitions okay all right i'm gonna throw it over to troy first troy what are your picks yes. for best shootout um so i was i was going through uh i was looking online for some of them and some were okay then i came across one that i completely forgot about that kind of blew my mind when i saw it um Django unchained the very end of yep. Django Unchained, when when Jamie Foxx goes into Candyland and blows everybody away, is <laughs> over the top and ridiculous. And I I don't I, I'm pretty sure he had that movie trope where he used a lot more bullets than would actually be in those oh, guns. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But it is just so ridiculous, and obviously it's Tarantino, so there's just blood and bodies flying everywhere, and it's great. Yeah, that is a great scene. Nice. What else you got? Um, 
for best shootout? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was it. Just that, that was it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what'd you come up with? Well, in a similar vein to Troy's first pick and only pick, apparently my my number three was the end of John Rambo, which was Sylvester Stallone's most recent Rambo movie. Oh yeah. Um, he gets behind some kind of gun in that thing, and that movie. I guess it prided itself on showing the ugly side of what a life as a murderous mercenary would be. And the end shootout in that film is so over the top. You just see body parts being disintegrated by bullets flying everywhere, people's legs crumbling from under them, and they don't pull any punches at all. It's one of the most arresting images I've seen in cinema. I know I saw Django. I don't remember that shootout because it's just Tarantino to me. But to me, that was just Tarantino. But what I found so arresting about the Rambo thing was it completely subverted everything that we saw in the 80s that made it so glamorous. It was sort of this this gritty take. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's like Sylvester Stallone reinventing himself in a good way, yet, you know, trading on everything that he's ever been in, the most popular properties, his most popular franchises. Uh, gone on too long. Uh, let's get with the geek stuff. The other one I have is... The, I don't know if this is shootout. You guys tell me. In the end of Serenity, when Mal leads the Reavers to that planet, and they all come out of hyperspace or whatever the, the equivalent is in, in the Serenity universe, and it, it, it becomes that, 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 <laughs> yeah. that you shoot out on, above the planet while they go and they try to get the signal out. And uh, I think it's um, who Chitwell, I ne can never say his name, Chitwell Ephedor, he played the bad guy in that. And he was amazing in it, but he's just like, somebody target something and shoot because it was just so, <laughs> it, it was mind blowing. So I always remember that one. But if you're going to go shoot out, you have to, have to, have to go with the final scene of the good, the bad and the ugly. The three-way shootout between Angel Eyes, oh, uh, yeah. you know, Tuco. And yeah. whoever the bad was, I forget what they called him in that. But uh, that is still, to me, the best shootout ever committed to film. One of my favorite movies of all time, too. But that ending's amazing. Uh, going back to, to uh, Rambo, that movie, when it came out, it blew me away of how good it was. Because I expected that movie to suck. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> because, I mean, Rambo is just... I mean, I watched it when I was a kid. I wasn't supposed to watch it, but I did. And um, it's just one of those movies that's kind of become. I get. I mean, you. Could, I guess you could call it a trope. It's. Just, it's one of those movies that people make fun of a lot, you know, or one of those series of films. But they they made like they didn't make like a. I don't know. It just didn't really feel like a sequel as much as it just. It was just a, a new movie with the same character in it. Uh, they they didn't fall back on a lot of the stuff that had come mm. before. It was just a new story. And they took themselves seriously. I was expecting it to be a little more campy than it was. But it was a very serious and, and pretty good movie. Yeah, it was gritty. And I think the seriousness is, is where you nail it there, Sean. Because yeah. it was like it was like the guy, the Stallone who wrote the original Rocky, came yeah. back and wrote the, uh, the sequel to First Blood. Because First Blood, if you remember, was the first John Rambo movie. And that was an amazing movie. It was so good. It said a lot about, you know, neglected vets. And I, it was a little over the top with, with just the fact that he's Superman. He's basically MacGyver. But it had a message. And then throughout the 80s, Stallone just used Rocky and Rambo as cash cows. 
and capitalized on them, sacrificing any kind of story or heart that the, the franchises once had. So it was nice when he went back and, you know, did Rocky Balboa and then he came out with John Rambo. Or was it? Or was it just Rambo? I didn't remember, but I think it, it's just called Rambo. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it was like he was—he was sort of—he was sort of apologizing for all the nonsense of the '80s. And I gotta tell you, I grew up in the '80s. I mean, seeing Rambo in the theater, um, Rambo Part Two, was—I uh, think it was called First Blood Part Two. First Rambo. Blood Part Two, yeah. Yeah, and the the that, third one was Rambo Three. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean those were just amazing when you're 14, <laughs> right? You know, but you know when you're 48, you want to see Rambo. So yeah, because they the, the, it was ba- the first one was based on a novel, and in the novel, the main character gets killed, but. Of course, Stallone didn't want to kill the character in the film because he's like, how are we going to make a sequel, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so they kept the character alive so they can make more movies, you know? So, but yeah, this one, it, it felt like they were going back. It was true to form, but okay, John, what have you got? Well, was, was that all for Chris? Was that all yeah, for Chris? Yeah, that was three. I mean, I couldn't okay. think of any more. I'm sorry, John. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a criticism. <laughs> a, a conscientious host. Um, so, mine kind of run the gamut. I, uh, you said yours were were predictable, Sean. I yeah. put the very first thing that I've done was the Matrix hallway scene. Um, it's like you kind of have to. Yeah. Like you know, there there's some things that if if nobody, I expect one of us to have them on the list, and if it, and if we don't, I just have to say it anyway. So I'm gonna go ahead and get the major call we seen out of the way. Well, I didn't put it down because I figured you were gonna you were yeah, gonna use it. Exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Based on that and your weird cowboy in the sunset musings, I think I'm unfortunately rubbing off on you more. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize to you and to your wife for that. Um uh, my wife thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> I have the um the first paintball episode of Community. That whole oh, yeah. episode is Great. amazing. It's fantastic. I, I love that series. Um, and they did, I think, maybe four paintball episodes. And you would think it would go tiresome, but as Community does, it, it's always in on its own joke. So it acknowledged that it was getting tired and just made it funny. Um, I have uh, Toy Story, Woody versus Etch a Sketch. That's, that's <laughs> just the way my mind works. <laughs> uh, it was funny. I, just, I thought it was funny. I was, it's you know, it was a funny. Oh joke. yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pretty much the entire movie of John Wick Two. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but specifically the, 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 the one that I found most innovative and I, and I really like, that was a really good movie. That was, that was another one that I, like you, you said, you expected the sequel to suck. Um, the first one was, you don't expect a lot of innovation in an action movie. Uh, but the first one did it and okay, well then what are they going to do with the second one? And they did it again. Yeah. It wasn't, um, they, yeah, just kind of building that whole world. I'm very much looking forward to the uh, the threequel for that. 
But um, specifically, the, <laughs> the 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 subtle shootout where they're like in the train station or whatever, him and uh, Common, mm-hmm. yeah. and they've got the silencers. On. <laughs> they're just shooting at each other in the midst of this crowd, which, if you think of like in real life, is horrifying. But right. in, but in this movie, it's very tense and very funny. And again, something that, given as much as you see people shooting at each other in action movies, I've never seen that. I've never seen that, and it and it hadn't even occurred to me that someone could do it. So that's that's those, those are my picks. Those are my picks. Well, they 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 do this trope in most films when they use a silencer. They make silencers a lot more silent than they actually are. <laughs> silencers are not that quiet. <laughs> they're no, still they're not. a, gun, a gunshot cool. is still very loud, but uh, yeah, it just kind of muffles <laughs> it a little bit. <laughs> Mafia runs the universe silencers. But, you know, there's also the, the trope in, in a lot of uh, films that involve a lot of gunfire that if you cover your gun with a pillow, then it'll be very quiet. And that's not true either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mine are... The first one I have is Heat from 1995, which is a film with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Val Kilmer, and a lot of other people. And I pulled up the... just just watched the shootout scene today on uh, YouTube <laughs> is, uh, I mean, I've seen it before, but it's been years, but I watched just that scene today and it, it's, it's a bank robbery and it's pretty standard bank robbery. But when they actually leave the bank and try to escape the, the cops are showing up with Pacino and they just get into a huge machine gun fight in the middle of downtown New York city. And, uh, they, I mean, it's over the top, you know, there's, there's stuff that happens that would not normally happen. You know, for one thing, the police don't try at all to clear the streets is there's people walking around and they start shooting. Patino actually takes cover behind a moving truck that has people inside of it and, and they don't make it. (laughs) They, they get blown up real good. Um, they also uh, one thing that I did like is that they they don't try using the car doors for protection because a lot of movies want to act like a car door is made of vibranium or something. Now they do they do get behind a car, but they don't like open the car door and they're just like behind it like it's a shield because bullets will go through car doors. <laughs> car doors are not that thick. Uh, the the actual sheet metal. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do like that scene. Um, also, Hot Fuzz from two thousand seven. Yeah, with, they almost uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Uh, that movie was like this perfect blend between comedy and action. And there's a shootout at the end when those two characters are basically fighting against the entire town, and uh, they pull in some they pull in stuff from westerns and from uh, stereotypical action scenes. They even do the thing where you're rolling on the ground shooting your gun like Point Break, <laughs> you know. They did, they actually did that. Uh, they were actually, I think they were watching Point Break earlier in the film, and then they did yeah. that in the shootout scene later. So that was pretty cool. And finally, Expendables Two with uh, everyone. <laughs> was just, I mean, that movie had everybody in it. If you liked uh, action movies from the eighties and nineties, then you would like the Expendables films. But the second one had a pretty good uh, gunfight at the end in the airport. Everyone was in it. 
we had Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis trading one-liners back and forth, and they, the whole thing ends with a decapitation. So how can you go wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, you listener. Do I have everybody's attention now? Do you like professional wrestling? What? If so, you'll love Review-O-Mania, where Rob and Zach break down every WrestleMania. You'll hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah! Ric Flair. Just stealing! Woo! Wheeling, dealing! Limousine right! Jet flying! Bret Hart. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart, you are a zero, my hero. John Cena. The chair is here! Brock Lesnar. Suplex City, bitch. And so many more that I don't have time to even name. Check out Review Mania right here on CosmicPotato.com. Or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker. It's a happening right here on CosmicPotato.com. Arriba! Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com, where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. Best instance of a character knowingly sacrificing themselves. Troy. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I actually have uh, I have a few on this one. I have four. Okay. So um, I'll just kind of run them down here. Uh, the first on my list is Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a, a really, you know, really emotional scene um and you know when he says we are Groot you know I lose it every time um yeah and and it's 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 awesome um my next one I'm sure many of us if not all of us have this on the list but of course Spock from Wrath of Khan yeah yep um still one of the most iconic uh movie sacrifices of all time 
It still gets um, me. Even, I, as many times as yeah. I've seen that movie, it still chokes me up every time I watch it. It's yep. when he bumps into the wall. That's the part. Of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just watching that last week. You're right. Yeah. He's dignified and he just doesn't have it. And it's, oh. He straightens his coat and then he bumps. Yeah. And I'm laughing because I don't want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other two I have are actually from uh, uh, Pixar and Disney, which will get you every time. Uh, Baymax. From Big Hero Six, yeah, um, at the very end, and uh, Bing Bong from Inside Out. Ooh, good oh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. That that scene destroyed me in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, uh, I probably missed about the last ten or fifteen minutes of that movie because I was trying to clear my eyes. It was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, those are those are my picks. All right. Chris, what have you got? Well, I want to go back and watch Troy's picks now because I've never seen <laughs> actually I have to be I have to be frank. I haven't seen most of the movies you guys are referencing. I guess I'm just not like an action movie guy. <laughs> yeah. I Hot Fuzz, I saw that. Um <laughs> but now is it worth it to watch these movies knowing that these characters are gonna sacrifice themselves? That's what I wanna know. Oh yeah. Um, I would well, I would say so. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I look forward to it. Uh <laughs> of course Wrath of Khan. I, I mean, that's the lowest hanging fruit, right? Everybody was thinking of that. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit off the rails on this because it's one of the first ones that I ever saw where you guys remember, and this is before it became sort of a parody of itself and then sort of came back around again. My favorite series used to be Supernatural. And before the Winchester started dying every other season and coming back, (laughs) you know, two episodes later, um, they had the end of season four. Spoilers are everybody or maybe it was even the end of season three where Dean died and came back. But the original ending of the series, Kripke, uh, who, who, who created it, made it so that Sam sacrificed himself by wrestling with wrestling with Lucifer and throwing himself into the pit, into hell and right. locking himself in so that Dean could live. And in a series that for the first time ever, usually you saw characters get out of stuff. Supernatural, they just tore them apart. And it was so refreshing, and I don't think anybody was really watching it that much then. It became a real juggernaut a couple of years later, but anyway, in fandom circles. But it was the first time for me that I saw an example of characters sacrificing themselves on a primetime show. So that always stuck with me. Poor Sammy, going into the pit with Lucifer. Um, The other one is Gandalf, of course. You shall not pass. Oh, in yeah. the minds of Moria. Uh, I don't know if that one is, is obvious, almost as obvious as Spock, I guess. But in that moment, watching the Fellowship of the Ring on the big screen and having Peter Jackson so wonderfully realize everything that had been in my head since I was 12 years old, it, it was just, it, it was mind-blowing. It was amazing. And the way that they did it, in the cinematic version, in Jackson's version, was that you think Gandalf's going to get away, and then that 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 whip licks up and grabs him by the ankle, and and he goes, yeah. and it was just so powerful. I loved it. I loved it. So I don't know that you get much more because it was the culmination of my imagination, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess the other one that I had because you wanted us to do three gets me every time. Um, Cap. Crashing the airplane at the end of the first Avenger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Love that one. one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't. I started to put Gandalf on my list, but I couldn't. It's been years since I saw those films. I can't decide if he was actually sacrificing himself because I don't know if he knew that he was going to come back. Because if he knew he was going to come back, <laughs> in in the book, in the book, they never allude to the fact that Gandalf thinks he's got a bigger fate ahead of him. Right. It was so that the ring bearer could complete his quest. And I do believe even in the two towers, uh, when Merry and Pippin first run into him in the books, he says, I didn't expect to come back, but they sent me back because Gandalf's not human. He looks human, but he's he's part of another race of beings. Yeah. And there are only like four or five of them. And I don't know who sent him back. I don't know what higher power he's working for. But um, it was as much a surprise to him in the books as it was to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, I say it's been years since I saw those movies. It's been even longer since I read those books. (laughs) All right, John, what you got? Um, I have... uh, Let's start with uh, Charlie from Lost. Ooh, let me scratch that off my list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had that on my list. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I had a, I thought I had something unique. But, um, yeah, so just to set the scene, uh, they're in the um, I can't remember the name of the that particular lab, but it's underwater, and uh, Charlie's in like the communications room, and one of the one of the others, the bad guy, has um, he's out in the water. He's got a grenade. He's gonna blow it up and flood the whole facility. Charlie runs to the door, closes the hatch so that everyone else uh, can live, and just the room that he's in is flooded. Um, and so he's already sacrificed himself, and he uses his last moments to write a note on his hand, <laughs> no spoilers, to write a note on his hand for uh, Desmond and the others to let them know that uh to give to let them know that it's well, what the hell? It's not Penny's boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not Penny's boat. <laughs> which which has meaning and context, but basically they, they that they're they're kind of walking into a trap. And he does this with the full knowledge. He like even before he goes on the mission, Desmond, who who is basically experiencing time backwards, told him that this is a suicide mission for him. If you go, you'll die. And he still goes. So he makes the decision like way before to sacrifice himself even before the actual situation comes up. So it's almost like he did it twice. Uh, from speaking of spoilers, uh, from the last Jedi, uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but I'll say there is a man who does it for the greater good in an awesome way. And there's a woman who does it for the greater good in an awesome way. One's on a planet One's on a ship. They're both monumental scenes. They, like, from, I know everybody didn't love that movie. I I love the movie, but even if you didn't like the movie, you've got to acknowledge the, <laughs> yep. that that her sacrifice of nothing else is just visually amazing. Yeah, I'd, I'd also argue there's actually three people that sacrifice themselves, even though the third one doesn't die doing it. Um, in the 
I don't want to. I don't want to spoil Last Jedi for people, but <laughs> but hey, it's, it's been out for how long? I think. Can it, this is yeah. a fan? Do you think I mean, anybody out there listening to this has? No, I, 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 yeah, I think they all seen it. And if they listen to the show, we'll already spoil later. Just say, just say the name and bleep it. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember her name, but it's she. It's the it's the one that Finn falls oh, in love with. Yeah, she sacrifices herself as well. But yeah, I would I would add. I would add her to the list as well, even though she didn't die doing it. She, uh, but she did. She didn't know she wasn't going to die. <laughs> All right, so no, I don't know who you're talking about. Who are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> who are you talking? Apparently, every character's done it in this movie. The 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 girl that uh, the one that Finn was in love with. Remember that she she crashed oh, her Rose. ship at the end. Yeah, Rose. There you go. Yeah, gotcha. she crashed her ship at the end to save uh to save Finn. Right. Okay. She may. I doubt she was dead. And Finn was going to sacrifice himself if she hadn't That's stopped true. him. So. <laughs> um, I also have, uh, I guess, uh, much like Captain America, Iron Man in the Avengers. Uh, he mm-hmm. turns out he didn't die, but he had every expectation that he would. Um, which a nice would have been is still a nice close to his character arc. Um, you know, given that he's a selfish guy, blah, 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 blah. And they, and they make a point of that in the movie that he's the guy who would, you know, lay down on the wire. Um, and I didn't think that he was going to die the first time I saw it, but I thought maybe he would. Yeah. Uh, which was, which is a nice feat for a superhero movie to make me think that one of the good guys could actually die. You know, uh, I love that they got that out of the way in the first Avengers movie. Tony putting himself on the wire, as Cap would say, like you said, John, because they've had so much fun now with Tony not being in that suit. It's like he already sacrificed himself. Now he doesn't even have to put himself in that peril because, you know, he would. Yeah. If he had to. But now it's always an empty suit, <laughs> except for maybe one scene in Spider-Man. Right. So. That's the point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, and my honorable mention is um, the entire cast of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Effective movie. I'm surprised I didn't think of that, but uh, I, I was trying to think more genre, you know. But you're right. Um, all right, Sean. All right. Yeah, I've got a few. A uh, couple of them I'll just touch on because they're obvious, but uh, Obi-Wan from the original Star Wars uh Gave up his body to the force to give Luke and the others enough uh, enough time to get away, and then you've got uh, Arnold from Terminator Two. Mm. I mean, the bad guy was already defeated at the point that he sacrificed himself, but he knew that he had to destroy himself in order to change the future. Even though future sequels kind of negated the fact that he did, <laughs> that he did that. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've also got. Uh, Harry, which is the character that Bruce Willis played in Armageddon, uh, he activates the detonator. The detonator, even though Ben Affleck's character was the one that pulled the short straw, you know, he let him live so he could take care of his daughter. Uh, Robert Neville, who's the character that Will Smith plays in I Am Legend, uh, he sacrificed himself to let the the cure for the virus survive, which probably saved humanity. And one that I thought of just as I've been sitting here that I didn't put in my notes, but the 10th Doctor. 
Um, now you could argue that every version of the doctor sacrifices himself eventually because they, that's how they end up dying is by sacrificing some, themselves for someone. But the tenth doctor's death scene, or the scene in which we found out that he was going to die, uh, was pretty powerful because uh, I don't know if you remember, and I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was the one where the master came back and uh, they went through this big battle. It was uh, like two, three episodes that this whole that this thing took place in, and at the end, there were these two booths that. Uh, the old man was in uh, the one that played Donna Noble's father. So he was in this booth and what happened was he is trapped in it. He can't get out unless somebody else in the other booth lets him out, but nobody can get in that booth because it's filled with radiation. So the doctor goes into the booth that's filled with radiation so that he can release it to let him out because if he doesn't, then he's going to end up dying. So uh, he knowingly knew that he was going to go in there and get a lethal dose of radiation and end up losing his uh, his life. Now you can argue that he knew that he was going to regenerate, but the the doctor said something in that episode that made me rethink the whole regeneration thing. In that each version of the doctor is actually a new person, and the next version has his memories, but that actual person is gone. So effectively, mm. he did die. Just the next doctor had his memories, if that makes any sense. So he 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 was sacrificing his own life. Even that's though a, a version of himself would go on after that, so it made it a little uh, more powerful. That's a good. That's a good call, um, because like you said, this this took place over. I mean, really over you know the whole season, but especially over those last few episodes. Yeah, because they, because they they were dropping hints that so he knows that his doom basically would be like three knocks. Yeah. Right. And like. And because so, his, yeah, he was knocking on the booth. He, he didn't know he was in there. Everybody's gone. So, yeah, so he, he's hearing. He hears various things that are three knocks, and you think, oh, that's it. Oh, okay, that wasn't it. Oh, that's the thing. That's no, that's not it. And so at the end, he's you know, there's a big confrontation with the master, and it's like I think it's like the sound of a clock or something. And he's like, oh, that's what it was. And you know, and he defeats the master, and he breathes this whole sigh of relief, and you're like, okay, I made it. I'm clear. And then he hears the three knocks from the booth, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> fudge, <laughs> fudge!" But yeah, that's, that's a good call. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, Sean. And I remember that when I want, it wasn't Matt Smith; it was the who David Tennant. David Tennant, yeah. And one of his best scenes in his entire run when he he made that speech. I forget it was probably to Donna at that point, but he said, "You know, everybody thinks it's me, but it's just some other bloke goes and saunters off, and you know he's got your memories, but it's not you." And I right. thought that was a unique way because, really, when you think about the Doctor, what is the peril? He'll just regenerate anyway, and. Right. You know, they need to keep the franchise going, but it, it put a, a human spin on it. And I know everybody loves to make fun of uh, Tenet for – he doesn't – he's always I don't want to go. I don't want to yeah, go. Right. I'm so sorry. I don't want to go. That <laughs> uh, put a, a real human face on the character, and I liked it. All right. Our last category is uh, best instance of a character or characters that have to be really quiet for some reason. Okay. So, Troy, what do you have for that uh, for that topic? Yeah, <clears throat> um, my first one is from uh, actually a movie where there are several of these scenes, but uh, Jurassic Park. 
the scene with the two kids, uh, Tim and uh, I forgot her name. Anyway, uh, in the kitchen, trying yeah. to escape the <laughs> yeah, trying to escape the raptors. It's I saw it as a kid and it terrified me, and yeah. it, it it still. Even when I watch it today, it still gets my anxiety going a little bit. Um, and then the next one is from the first Mission Impossible movie where oh, yeah. Tom – Yeah. Where he has to remain dead silent, um, you know, rappelling down from the ceiling and getting the disc. And it's a really intense scene and still holds up today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my last one is uh i'm a a pretty big harry potter fan um you know we talk about it all the time uh harry potter when he had to remain quiet and out of sight when snape kills dumbledore um you know it, it was another uh mentor uh father figure that harry had to see die in front of him and you know he couldn't he couldn't do anything about it. He had to he had to stay there and he had to remain quiet and in the shadows. And yeah, it was a uh, it, it was a pretty intense, pretty sad scene. Yeah, yeah, those are good picks. In, yeah. in the um, I think in the book, uh, Dumbledore casts a petrificus spell on him. He does. He, yeah, do it if you wanted to. But yeah, you're right. In the movie, I think he just. He can't like. I mean, he's not under spell. He just knows that if he does, he's dead. Yeah, he was in the. Uh, wasn't he in the invisibility cloak? Yeah, he's under the invisibility cloak. Yeah, yeah, but he can still make sense. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Chris, what you got? This was the toughest one for me. Um, Troy, thanks for bringing back that Mission Impossible memory. That that oh, was yeah. a good scene, and I think the best part of that scene is um, I forget the French dude what his name is, but. The real tension is with him up in the mm-hmm. crawl space and the rat and the pulley breaking and all that. And Tom Cruise has just got to bear with it. But that, yeah, that really is a good one. So good pull. Thank you. Um, hey, I have a question real quick, but I don't mean to interrupt. But um, yeah, sure. Why do people make fun of Mission Impossible movies? Am I the only one that really enjoys all of those films? <laughs> okay, from someone that that liked the first one, even yeah. though it was a little bit incomprehensible, the second one, I didn't know that the Mission Impossible series relied on masks. So when I saw Mission Impossible Two, it basically had a Scooby Doo ending. Because they're pulling off these masks like it's old man Barker at the carnival or whatever. I was like, what is this nonsense? And then I saw Mission Impossible, I guess it's three. uh, Mm -hmm. And that was really good. So I don't know if they're on four or five. Which is the one that was in the desert with the sandstorm? That one was good. So The one one they're making now is six. So I'm like all over the place on these, you know? I I found them enjoyable. I mean, I I think they're, they're... They're good popcorn action movies. There's yeah. enough of a plot. Uh, you know, you care about the characters enough. The action's good. The effects are good. Stunts are good. Um, you know, I, I, I put it as a, like, a slightly more grounded version of, like, the Fast and Furious series. You know, you, you, know, you know what you're getting going in. And, you know, just get back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, because yeah, I hear, I- you know, when they announced that they're making the sixth one, I heard a lot of... 
oh god, they're making another Mission Impossible. I'm like, yeah, they're making another Mission Impossible because they're awesome. <laughs> you know, it's not it like when I was helps. talking about Die Hard earlier because Die Hard doesn't have a good track record with their last t- couple of films. But everyone that I, all of the Mission Impossible that I see, yeah, some of them are better than others, but they're all you know enjoyable. You know, uh, and I I would argue that most people know Mission Impossible from the films at this point than ever even heard of the TV show. (laughs) I would would expect that it's that any hate for Mission Impossible movies is is really more just uh, dissipated hate for Tom Cruise just in general because he's 50 something and he's still doing stunts and he still looks like he's 40 something. Yeah, and They're I think that's the, where, I was, where I was trying Everybody to get. Anybody the Haterade? That's the only point I've been trying to get in. I'm sorry, I keep like that. Uh, no. But oh, um, it's it's also I think it depends on your tolerance for Tom Cruise, and I happen to have a high, a high tolerance for Tom Cruise. I like I enjoy him in just about anything. I don't know why. I just I just I like his movies. Even The Mummy, I enjoyed because I liked his performance. It wasn't a good movie, but I think <laughs> Mission decent. Impossible I mean, fits enjoyable. into that. Yeah. You know. Insert so, I mean, Scientology joke here. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But not everything can be Vanilla Sky. You know. Right. But not everything has to if you like Tom Cruise. So. Yeah. Okay, go ahead with your next pick. I'm sorry. Um, uh, did I even say one? I guess I'm going to go with um, my honorable mention for all these categories is Wrath of Khan. I mean, best death scene, best shootout scene, and <laughs> the best uh, be quiet scene. I love Mutara Nebula. Uh, when they're doing sort of the cat and mouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the right. lion. Good call. Yeah. Um, I and to me, I thought that was the most obvious. I felt like I was cheating with that one. The only other one I could come up with when it comes to just genuine tension and having to be quiet. It uh, And John, thank you, because your, uh, your example with the shootout in the subway, even though I never saw that movie, it reminded me of the scene in Casino Royale when Bond is trying to stop the guy from blowing up the plane. And they have that knife wrestle in the airport. Mm. And um, they're doing it. In, you know, close quarters in a crowd of people mm-hmm. and neither of them are, are you know, they, they can't really fight, but they're struggling for their lives. And it's a really effective scene. Yeah. And um, I mean, attention on that one just, you know, that whole movie had my heart pounding. But that's that's one of the better examples of some of the different ways they did action in that movie to really great results. So that's mine. Okay. All right. All right, I've got three, um, and this is kind of piggybacking off of one of Troy's, uh, because one of my picks is uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, there, I know that's the worst Jurassic Park film, and it <laughs> it bears almost no resemblance to the novel it was based on, but there is a scene where the character that Julianne Moore is playing, uh, she's in her tent, and she's got Ian Malcolm's daughter in there with her. And Mama T-Rex starts sniffing the tent. And uh, Spielberg spent a lot of money on this giant animatronic T-Rex head for that film. And he was determined to get his money's worth because he put it in the film about six times. But they did create this pretty intense scene where that head kind of comes into the tent. And it's sniffing them. And the little girl wakes up. And and, uh, Julianne Moore puts her hand over her mouth to keep her from screaming. And, uh, and of course, one of the members of the team ends up screaming and causes a big feeding frenzy anyways. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a pretty intense, uh, be quiet type scene. And then the, I've got a film that almost the entire movie is that way. If you've ever seen Don't Breathe from 2016, mm-hmm. this is a 
pretty good horror movie. Uh, actually, had me clenched up most of the, most of the film. Is, uh, uh, these kids, these kids. I thought you guys liked that. Uh, these kids try to rob this blind guy, but his other senses are so keen that if they move at all, he can he can hear him and he'll be on. Have you guys seen this film? I have not. No, okay. I remember um, the previews and I wanted to see it. It looked intriguing, but yeah. I just I forgot all about it then. There was a couple of scenes where it's almost like Jaws, where the blind guy is the shark and he's just waiting for him to move, you know, and they're just they're just a couple of feet away from him. And they know if they move, you know, he's gonna he's you know, he's got a knife or he's got a gun or or something and he's gonna know where they are. Uh, so th- that that whole movie was pretty intense, and it's one of those movies where the the ending of the film changes the entire dynamic of the film for you. So I highly recommend that movie, but don't make my mistake because uh, when I watched it, I was still working as a security guard, and I was watching it in the dark in the guard shack by myself. <laughs> so don't do that on the weekend when there's no one there but me. Um, and then the third one is from Toy Story Two. Uh, there's a scene, a, a great scene where uh, after it's after Woody's been kidnapped by that toy collector, and uh, the guy's laying on his couch and he's got Woody's arm in his pocket, and he's asleep. And Woody and Bullseye try to go and and get it so that he can escape. And the dude spills a bowl of Cheetos all over the floor, so they've got to get around the Cheetos. Kind of gives them an Indiana Jones type obstacle to get around, and then. He's on the guy trying to get his arm, and the dude burps in his face, and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it was a pretty cool sequence, and all animation, no dialogue really. Uh, so that's that's what I've got. Those are my picks. All right, that was fun. Hey, those are good picks. Did I not? Did I not go to you? I thought oh, no. I didn't go to John. I'm sorry. <laughs> my own oh. fault. I was I was too quiet. And careful. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Do your, wise. Do your, you are wise. Um, do your picks. So uh, my first, I thought was the obvious one, is um, Indiana Jones replacing the little idol Tiki Head. Yeah. Um, and 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 doing it perfectly and still failing. Because that was the first <laughs> time I'd ever seen that. Uh, um, was that about quiet or was that about math? Well, is is quiet or careful? That's, oh, okay. That, yeah, like that. The yeah, just extra intense, making sure you get it right. But yeah, it was math. But yeah, um, call back to the John Wick two scene, the shootout aforementioned. Um, <laughs> okay, so the animated movie Storks. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a decent movie. It was funny. Um, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it was it was it, it was funny. And in that movie, there is a scene where uh, there is a sleeping baby, and uh, it is a fight between our heroes, a stork and a human, and basically a bunch of penguin henchmen. And it's it's this brawl, almost a knife fight all on a rooftop uh but they don't want to wake the baby uh so it it does it really well in that there are sounds but it but it's it's like people trying to be quiet like a lot of times when they'll do these scenes and everybody's trying to be quiet there's like no sound but it is like you know they, 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 there's a sound of cloth rustling there's a sound of muffled struggling 
with a fork. They, oh. it's, it's a really funny scene. You can you can YouTube it. It's pretty funny. Um, and I also had yes, Jurassic Park with the kids in the kitchen and the Raptors. Um, yeah. All right, those are mine. Okay. Uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask Chris. You said that uh, one of your favorite shows used to be Supernatural. Yes. Have you seen the trailer that's out right now for an upcoming episode where they get sucked into an episode of Scooby Doo? I read about it years ago. I know they've been planning it for a while, um, that they're actually doing it. I'm not surprised because, what are they, in season 13 now or 14? Yeah. Or, so uh, another great thing about the show is they always love to be self-referential and poke fun at themselves. So I can't imagine that they do it in any way but you know, just bagging on the fact that they're in an episode of Scooby-Doo the entire time. You know, um, well, Scooby Doo's done an episode with everybody else, so yeah, so he <laughs> might as well. But the thing is, are they going to be like Freddy and Scooby and Shaggy, or are they going to be like you know special guest star of the Harlem Globetrotters? Because yeah, well, the, tra- the trailer that I saw, <laughs> the trailer that I saw, they are themselves, and they meet up with the with the gang with the you Scooby know, they, gang. They meet everybody, yeah. All right, I haven't watched it in years. I lost the thread somewhere two seasons ago, and for whatever reason, I just stopped watching. And I've been meaning to go back, but that sounds like a good standalone to go on. Can I do one more honorable mention? Because I completely forgot about uh, Sacrifice. And in broader terms, I just have to give props to Sam Beckett, Quantum Leap. Um, The series finale, Mirror Image, when he never returns home. A lot of people read that as as he sacrificed himself to save Al's marriage. But in truth, he chose never to go home. And he sacrificed his happiness just to keep doing good. Giant spoilers for Quantum Leap, everybody. But, I mean, I love that series finale. And I I think I'd be remiss to not just point that out as, uh, you know, a character knowingly sacrificing himself or his happiness for the greater good. Yeah. Except that they sp- spelled his name wrong on the <laughs> on the card. <laughs> the reruns the got it right. The reruns got yeah. it right. <laughs> All right. I think that's gonna pretty much do it for this episode. So let me let me do a little housekeeping here with a couple announcements and things. Uh, if you like this show, all you have to do in order to sub- subscribe is to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addict on the Android Store. If you subscribe, then you'll be notified whenever a new episode goes up. And uh, make sure that wherever you find us, you leave us a rating and a review, which will help us uh, get the show out to more people. And if you want to get in touch with us and give us some feedback, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can email us at mail at cosmicpotato.com, or you can send us a text message or voicemail by calling us at area code 205-642-8380. And all of that is on our website at cosmicpotato.com. And I do have a, an announcement for the show. We're going to start a series beginning next week that I'm excited about. Because when I started doing this podcast, I envisioned it as being a show about all kinds of film. And I think we've done that. But we, we focus a lot more on genre films and uh, geeky stuff and, st- and things like that. But uh, Troy and I are going to start... Uh, we're going to go into a dive on some older stuff with a series that we're going to do monthly here on the show and what we're going to do Troy actually already started Troy mm-hmm. you've already you've already started the IMDb list right I have yep IMDb's 100 greatest films of all time yes yeah it was just um I mean I started doing it because I have a lot of time now during the day so 
And there were some on there that I've never, you know, classics I've never seen before. So I figured, why not? Just go through them. Yeah. And uh, John's going to join us from time to time when he can. But we're going to try and do two or three films every month. Uh, and we may throw a few extra in here or there if we... If we find mm-hmm. another classic film or something that we that we want to add to the list, we'll do that. And I'm I'm expecting, you know, this is going to take a long time, and I'm expecting IMDb's list to to change, <laughs> right? Somewhat, and uh, so we may we may add some here and there. But uh, if you want to join us, uh, we're going to be starting at number one hundred, and we're going to work our way down to one. So you can look up the. You just go to Google and put in IMDb's greatest uh, films of all time, and it'll come up. But the the first three films that we're going to do starting next week, we're going to do number 100, which is Yankee Doodle Dandy from 1942, starring James Cagney. Uh, number 99 is North by Northwest from 1959, starring Cary Grant, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And number 98 is Rebel Without a Cause from 1955, starring James Dean. So... If you want to watch those films and then come and listen to us talk about those films, you're welcome to do so. So, um, all right, let me thank everybody. Chris, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Sean. No problem. And Troy, thank you. Uh, pleasure as always. And John, as always. Yeah, man. It, are you there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, okay. That's, that's uh, pretty much it. Make, make sure you go and visit us at CosmicPotato.com. You'll find all the other podcasts that we put out on the network. Troy's show, World War G, is there. John's show, Captain Game Show, is on there. Eventually, I'm going to talk Chris into into uh, hosting a show that will be on there. I'll <laughs> <laughs> figure something out, I promise. And uh, we also have uh, Review of Mania with uh, Rob and Zach reviewing all of the WrestleManias ever, one by one. I have a show called The Prime Direction that you'll find on there as well. That I promise there is a new episode coming out this month. Um, and that's it. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear John say, I don't know where or when, but someday Batman will leave his keys in the ignition and I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> You want to jump right into the game show? Uh, yeah. Give me a minute. I gotta set some. I gotta set a couple things up. But yeah. Okay. If you if you want to, if, uh, if anyone needs a break, go ahead. Can I just brew another cup of coffee? Yeah. Sweet. Is that okay? Did I talk too much? I always talk too much. It's a podcast. You're supposed to talk. <laughs> I know, but I hijack. <laughs> anyway, let me go get more coffee. That'll help. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm excited to do this. This. Uh, new show with you because I have some thoughts on these first few films that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm watching. I, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I, no, well, I was I, just I saying just, I'm watching. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm watching <laughs> Rebel Without a Cause now. I started watching it today. I haven't finished it yet. I watched the other two over the weekend, and uh, yeah, I like I like watching old movies. I just never really get a chance to to watch. There, there always seems to be something else. That yeah. I feel like I need to watch something that's newer or whatever. So, but yeah, every once in a while I turn on Turner Classic Movies and see what's mm-hmm. what's on there. But yeah, so I think I'm going to enjoy this too. Yeah, yeah, I because I've I've never seen had never seen North by Northwest or Rebel Without a Cause before or Yankee Duel Dandy before. So I watched all those for the first time and definitely have some some thoughts on them. 
I did not even know what Yankee Doodle Dandy was. I had never heard of it until I <laughs> until I watched it. Yeah, me neither. And I I I I've heard that line that he says. You know, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you. I've I've heard that line before, and I never knew where it was from. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And North by Northwest. Now I've watched a lot of Hitchcock films. I've always liked Hitchcock films, but that that one I've just never gotten around to because it's not one of the ones that I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves talking. About, but yeah, a little <laughs> it's, bit. Uh, it's not one of his uh, creepy movies. You know, he made he made yeah. a lot of horror and and just creepy type stuff. Yeah. I used to watch Alfred Hitchcock Presents when I was a kid. It was on Nick at Night every night, mm-hmm. and I liked I liked that show. But, I know I'm, I'm late to this conversation. I just sat back down. But do you guys realize that you're probably going to watch Hitchcock's entire filmography? Yeah, I kind of scrolled through the list, and there are a few a few more. Which I've what's, already seen what's a sitting lot at of. number one? Is Citizen Kane still number one? I think uh, the, it's The Godfather. The Godfather. Oh, yeah. oh eesh. All right. Which, well, I, which, I, which I've <laughs> seen several times. You know? It's years and years away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we may just go ahead and watch the whole trilogy when we get there. So, <laughs> give me uh, two minutes. Okay. Yeah, let me pull the list up and see what else on there. Let's see. I might call in with an anecdote for Rebel Without a Cause. It'll take three seconds, but it's just something that is perennial in our house because of that movie. Um, but I'll save it. I'll save it for that show when I phone in and you can say three people have now phoned in and left messages <laughs> or any Rick can, I guess right? Rick, Rick. Yeah. Rick forgets <laughs> who's called in. Uh, we've had a few call-ins. Let's see. Here's, here it is. The ultimate list, hundred greatest movies of all time. So mm. yeah, the Godfather is number one. Uh, scroll. Darn it. Come on. The Shawshank Redemption is number two. Oh, we were going to Schind- do that on my podcast. Schindler's List, Raging Bull, Casablanca. I've seen Casablanca. Sis I've seen Schindler just about 35 times. <laughs> there are a lot the of wind. these on here that I've, I've already seen. The Wizard of Oz, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Lawrence of Arabia, Vertigo, Psycho. Yeah, Hitchcock, Hitchcock. The Godfather Part Two. And see, that's one thing. See, we're going to have to move a couple of things around because it doesn't make sense to talk about The Godfather Part 2 before we get to The Godfather. Right. So we <laughs> yeah. may as well just watch all of them at once and knock that no, out. Because no, Godfather 2 is, is like a prequel to Godfather, right? No, that is not true. That there is there there is a secondary there's a secondary storyline in The Godfather Part 2 that is a prequel. <laughs> But the main, you know what, Sean? The you main just did story. An, you didn't. Um, actually. Yeah. Um, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, The Godfather Part Two is a, a sequel because I mean it's about Pacino's character, but there are flashbacks that tell the story of Vito when he first came to America. But that part is that part is a prequel. I think it would be interesting. But what? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm only an occasional guest at best. I, I will I will join as I can, but I don't know how often that will be. Are you? Do you want to be on this first one? Have you watched the movies yet? I've, I've watched none of them, and I don't know that I'll be able to by next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. If, if, if I do... Second, I just spilled coffee on my shirt. i got to go get a napkin. Okay. If I do, uh, uh, I'll, um, like, I'll, I'll email you my thoughts or something. If I, like, if I don't watch all three, because I, I wouldn't want to be on if I only, like, for just one of the movies. You know what I mean? 
Well, yeah, and I'm not sure that every episode will be three. It just depends on how much we have to say about, <laughs> about different ones. If we go on for an hour about one movie, we'll just mm-hmm. you know save the next one for another. See, the the, the Return of the King is on here, but I, I don't see the other two films. So No, they're not. No, it's just that one. Yeah, next one I have to watch is Withering Heights, which I'm oh. I'm not excited about. I'm going oh, to is, is, is winning, <laughs> winning like a Best Picture um, a prerequisite for this list? You think, or being nominated? I don't know what the prerequisite is for it. Uh, it doesn't say. It's you know just, what it is? It's 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 fluid. Um, I think people I know just BFI, BFI put Vertigo. As their number one film, I think su- supplanting Citizen Kane mainly because they wanted Hitchcock in a number one because he's British. And I went to see Vertigo, a screening with Alec Baldwin out out east, just because you know I figured why not? I never saw it, so let me just take take the ride. And when I tell you that not only was that not the best movie ever made, it wasn't <laughs> even close to the best Hitchcock movie ever made. Yeah. I, so these things are very subjective. Vertigo was a boring slog. Yeah, I think that's yeah, one of the ones that I haven't there's seen. Like an interesting scene at the beginning and an interesting scene at the end, and it's kind of the same scene. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Even remember. <laughs> I just remember Jimmy Stewart you know, driving in a car chasing. Uh, was it Kim Novak? Maybe it was Kim Novak. I'm not sure. But uh, the yeah. next and one, she I turns have out to... to be a doppelganger or something. It's a weird movie, but it's not good. Weird. It's just boring. Weird. <laughs> the next one I have to watch, I have to finish Rebel Without a Cause, and then I have to watch The Third Man. So. All right, you guys ready? I am. Ladies, gentlemen, all and none of the above, welcome to Captain Game Show, the fruit-flavored candy of the Cosmic Potato Network.